All right. Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny that I was doing the um, plug for Kingdom Kids volunteers because, you know, oftentimes when, when you're kind of in a certain role, uh, the Lord puts you in a position to lead by example, you know, and um, uh, singing this morning, uh, if you didn't know, you know, we started in, in Cindy's living room and I had a guitar and we played and led the worship team for quite a bit while we were at the Wesleyan Church and and it reminded me, it's funny, you're up here and sometimes things come to your mind. Uh, years and years ago, when I was a, a youth pastor in San Diego, I had this opportunity. They called and said, hey, you know, uh, we're at a camp. We're doing a day camp out in East County of San Diego for some uh, juvenile offenders. And the sheriffs are going to be working with them. And hey, would you come out and just do a, do a devotion, just kind of get the morning going? So I'm like, sure. So uh, Saturday morning, I get in my car. I drive to East County. I find the camp. And there's probably like 10 or 15 uh, teenagers there and, and some sheriffs who are going to work with them. And, and they, again, they invited me to, to share a little devotional. I'm like, okay. So I, I share my devotional, and, and I think, oh, I'm just going to hang out, you know, and just kind of be around, meet, meet some of the teens that are there and kind of see what they're doing. Um, but they were going to do a, a ropes course, a, a, what they call a high ropes course. And so uh, the first element that we all kind of walked to was, if you've seen it before, it's a telephone pole about 15, 20 feet high, and you climb the telephone pole, you're harnessed in, and then at the very end, you're supposed to climb on top of the very top of the pole, which is about this wide, and you stand there, and then you jump to a trapeze. And I'm like sitting in the back like, oh man, this is going to be cool to watch some of these teens. It's, it's life skills challenging. And then the lead sheriff says, and you, pastor, you start first. And of course, all eyes are on me, all these teen boys, and they're like, yeah, Mr. Preacher, why don't you show us the way? And what are you going to do in that moment, right? What are you going to do? <laughs> okay. You know, you try not to let your voice crack. And, and so, you know, they harnessed me up, and I had never done I've seen it done at Hume Lake. You know, I've seen it done. I've never done this. And I'm like, okay. You know, and, and you start climbing, they have the pegs, and you get, and then the, the, the most challenging part of this whole thing is when you get to the top of the pole is to figure out how to get both feet on top of this telephone pole that's now starting to sway. And, you know, you get like this, and then, you know, you're harnessed in, but your mind is like, you're going to die, you're going to die, nothing's going to happen. And so, you know, you get up there, and then you're like this, and then there's this trapeze, like five feet out there. And, you know, and, and you're mustering all your courage, and then all eyes are on you, right? And, and the whole pride thing kicks in. And so, you know, I, I, I jumped, and I remember, I, I want to say it's like a, a manly roar, but I think it was a squeal, like a yip, a yip. You know, and you hit the trapeze, and then your body weight kicks in, and you, you know, a lot of people can't because your body weight kicks in, and once it hits your fingers, if you're not, if you've never done it before, you just fall back, and then they let you down, right? And that just came to mind. It's like, okay, you know, lead by example. Sometimes you just get out of your comfort zone because you just have to, to lead by example. You just have to do. And so, you know, um, when Shiloh out of town, there is a point to this. When Shiloh um, out of town... Vinny is like, hey, you know, you want to you wanna jump back in? I know it's been a while, and, you know, my Sunday mornings are full, and, you know, and then I'm like, okay, you know, it's been a while, and then they, it's all high-tech now, yeah, and you got these ear monitors, and I'm like hearing this, tick, 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 tick. they have a metronome in their ears, right? And I'm like, Vinny, I don't know how to do the metronome thing, and you know, Randy's like, they do, you know? It's like, yeah, literally, the band stays on tune because they have a tick. There, there's a metronome in our ear, and I'm like, okay, how do I hear that? Then I hear Bill, you know, and I'm, I'm like, brand new. Uh, but it is all good. And so anyway, I just share that with you here. I share that sometimes the Lord just, just needs us, and you just go, and you do the best you can. You really do. It's all you, that's all you can do. And, and maybe some of you served before, and you've been on the sidelines for a little bit, and it's like, you know, hey, come on, get back into the game. Dust, dust it off. Dust yourself off. Get back into the game. Uh, and, yeah, but it's been so long, and I, it's okay. It's okay. Around here, we really have a lot of grace. We really have a lot of freedom to help you land in the right ministry, to find relationships as you serve together, so that's a joyful. Um, is it a sacrifice? Yeah. Is it a, you know, does it kind of mess up your routine? Yeah, it might. 
Usually at 9.45, I'm praying and I'm prepping for the message. Today, I'm listening to Phil Wickham on At Your Name, trying to make sure I don't biff the song, you know? And so it's just, I, I share this with you so that you, you understand we get out of our comfort zones. We, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do and, and say, Lord, here I am. Uh, I, just use me. Just use me in, in the way that you see fit. Um, and that's really been the testimony of, of the well for 11 years is he's brought people, and they use their gifts and talents. Uh, we laugh, we cry, we serve together, um, and in the end, God gets the glory, and he builds his church. So, so if it's any uh, consolation, any encouragement to those who are a little bit nervous about serving in some capacity, uh, you know, me doing this is, was way out of my comfort zone uh, this week, uh, even, even up until this morning. So anyway, uh, be encouraged, be encouraged, step out, it's okay. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I still got one left, so I'm still nervous about that. Um, so we've been in Ephesians, right? And I appreciate the encouragement that I've, I've uh, received because many of you have been finding this series, uh, and specifically the focus on spiritual warfare, very helpful, very real-time, very present, right? And so I want to just jump back in to, to lay the foundation, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, um, that has laid the framework uh, for kind of the warfare in general, and then we're going to continue focusing on the belt of truth today. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so we have been speaking about putting on the command, the necessity to put on the whole armor, the full armor, the panoply, if you will, uh, of armor of, of God every day. So again, just a quick check this morning, you know, as you were getting, you know, dressed into your clothes, did you spend time literally saying, Lord, in obedience and faith, um, I'm putting on the, spirit, the spiritual armor, the full armor today, right? And we've spoken uh, maybe to some of the reasons that we don't, and one of the key reasons is that we just don't feel the need. We, we're kind of in our, even our Sunday morning routine, uh, we're living in comfortable, oh, hi, maybe, you know, life right now is pretty good, you don't feel like you're under attack, and so sometimes we get up, we have breakfast, and we go about our business, and the reality of spiritual warfare, and therefore the necessity of spiritual armor, we just kind of, maybe don't, don't take it very serious, which in and of itself can be a scheme, right? Which, which can in and of itself be a scheme of the enemy. Ah, oh, things are good, you're fine, just get to church. Right? Just get to church. And, and so, you know, we saw that the reason that we need to put it on, according to verse 13 in there, is that, is that we can stand. And that word stand is a very strong word. The Roman soldiers had sandals with spikes, and it was meant really to mean that you can stand, not give an inch. Not give an inch. Hold your ground. Right? 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, right? And we said, you know, this isn't just, you know, a VBS thing. This isn't just a child, childish story. This is devour. This is like destroy. This is not a game. This is not playing church, right? This is like um, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have an enemy, and here's a crazy thing. I even learned this uh, yesterday. The enemy doesn't take Saturdays off. You know, no weekends and no holidays. It's not banker's hours for the devil and, and evil forces. It's, it's usually when we take time off is when they come in. It's when we let down our guard. So they're actually, you know, they know, you know, okay, they're in tune. They're, they're going to they're wait for us literally, you know, uh, you know, yesterday there was a bit of a trial in many areas, and I got it, and I, I could see, you know, I've told you before that the devil, we looked at it, were schemes, that the devil schemes, which means 
There's individual plan, strategy for each person because the enemy knows you, knows your weaknesses, knows areas of temptation, knows areas of whatever, spiritual apathy, whatever. The enemy knows you. So scheming is unique to each person, right? And, and that's important because, uh, you know, that, that creates in, in even me a sense of, wow, okay. And so yesterday, you know, I, I, I realized, wow, okay, because uh, we had a meeting here, and for me, it was Saturday, right? I went into Saturday mode, and so I literally was, um, hey, this is good. I'm excited. We're having a lead meeting. This is going to be a good Saturday, and afterwards, I'm going to come and finish up prepping for Sunday. And so I was in my normal Saturday mode, and I was literally pretty, you know, pretty excited to be here. And then I got here, and within five minutes, things had um, been brought to my attention, and I was in the middle of a battle. And I realized, wow, this all happened really when I was in a, in a pretty comfortable, happy place. But that comfortable, happy place sort of had dulled me, even, even sort of blinded me that, oh, yeah, wait, <laughs> the devil doesn't rest on Saturdays. And so it, it, it's, this, it's this reality in the spiritual realm that, that again, we're no, we don't live scared, okay? We can, we can sort of have this sober respect that we are in warfare, but we don't run scared. I've already shared that with you several times. Um, but we also have to remember that uh, it's constant. It's constant. Okay, that's why we need the full armor of God constantly. So we've been looking at uh, what we call the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Right? That's the, the, the belt of truth is the kingulum militare. And Jordan, you can put up that picture, right? And for Roman soldiers, again... Uh, we talked about this last week. Many of you may, may have seen movies or pictures, and you look at that belt, and you're like, hey, is that just an accessory? Was that just there for show? What, what was the point of the belt, right? Because we focus, tend to focus on the, the sword and the helmet and the breastplate of righteousness and, you know, and the shield. But that belt is often overlooked. And we saw last week that that, that is really... And the order, right? If you notice in Ephesians, this is the very first thing you're supposed to fasten. Because we saw last week, that belt being right here holds everything together. And when you're going to battle, the soldiers, they cinch it up. And when they're off duty, they loosen it a little bit. But when you're about to go into battle, they cinch it up so that everything, the armor and everything, the sword, it all stays together in the battle. And so... In Ephesians 6.14, the Apostle Paul, the very first thing he says is, hey, what? fasten your belt of truth, right? And again, that's your choice. The way it's written, the, it's called the middle voice in, in the Greek. You have to fasten it, and you have to choose to do it. The Lord's not going to fasten it for you. He told you to fasten it, but every morning, you have to choose to do it. I have to choose to do it. Okay, and then we focused on the importance of it. Why? Because it's the belt of truth. John eight forty four. Jesus says the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So if we're if our enemy is is a liar, the father of lies. Well, we better have truth. And last week we spent a lot of time focusing on what is the nature. What is the, when you when you peel it all back? To put on the belt of truth is really to put on Jesus. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So ultimately, Jesus is the truth, not just one of many truths. He is the essence of truth, right? The expression of truth. And so to put on and fasten the belt of truth is to really put on Christ. Ray Stedman says this, you cannot do battle until you have surrounded yourself with the belt of truth. What does this mean in practical, everyday terms? Simply this, when you are threatened by discouragement, depression, spiritual apathy, and coldness, and similar moods, you fight back by remembering that you first became a Christian by surrounding yourself with truth. You remind yourself that in coming to Jesus Christ, you found the truth behind all things. You found the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the secret of the universe, the final reality. 
okay? And if you missed last Sunday's in our discussion of truth versus preference and all that, I encourage you to go back and, and watch that because it really does bring it all really centrally around Jesus. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So ultimately, at the core to fasten, put on the belt of truth is to put on Jesus. Salvation. The number one, the important, the core of our spiritual armor, first and foremost, is to be saved. It's to know Jesus. And every day you put on Jesus, which, which really is a reminder. And we'll talk about this at the end. Every day, if you say, well, well, how do you do this? What do you mean? Put, how do you actually help me to understand to put on like the belt of truth? Well, one of the things that we're going to see at the end is you put on the belt of truth. Perhaps what you do in your prayer every morning, you say, Lord, by faith, I thank you that I am in Christ. I thank you that I am a new creation. I thank you that in Christ, I have everything I need. Do you see how you're speaking truth? You put on the armor of truth simply by praying and speaking God's word as it applies to you. That is how you begin the day. Imagine every day you woke up and how you say, Lord, thank you that today I'm a new creation in Christ. Thank you that today I have everything I need for life and godliness. Thank you that I am in Christ and nothing can separate me from your love. Thank you that in Christ I am more than conqueror. Amen? What are you doing there? You're putting on truth. You're speaking truth to yourself. You're hearing truth that is pertinent and relevant to you immediately. You're appropriating it. This is how you learn to put on the armor of God. This is how you learn, literally, to speak truth, speak God's truth as it applies to you, and then you walk out the door completely different. Okay? It, 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 we'll talk about it more as we, as we go on. And so, um, we're going to stay here today on the belt of truth, uh, because there's two aspects of it, this fastening, that I think will help all of us, uh, even in a very practical way. And, and what we do, what we need to do is we need to look at another translation. Okay, so in the ESV, it says, having fastened on the belt of truth. But in the New King James Version, it says this, 614. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. All right, everyone say girded. Okay. Not a real common word, right? When was the last time you say, hey, are you girded, right? Like, did you gird today? You know, is that a verb? Is that a noun, right? So in, in the New King James, it says, we are having girded your waist with truth. Okay, girded. And I think that if we understand that word girded, you can radically shift this idea of truth, what it means to put it on every day, because you're going to use the word gird. And I encourage you to use the word gird because it's biblical. And it's, it's a new word, so it may challenge you and may make it fresh. Okay? Now, this word girded is really, it's really interesting because, you know, perhaps, and, I'm, and I have to be careful with this, perhaps, you know, like when we show pictures of the armor, um, you know, it's always like a Roman soldier. Usually it's a Roman soldier and it's usually a guy, right? So sometimes I, th I wonder if when we talk about spiritual armor and putting it on, that it seems to be male heavy, like male gender heavy, right? And, and, and I, that's why one of the aspects I love looking at this word girded, because in the Old Testament, it applies, you'll see it used for both men and women. Okay, so both men and women have to be girded. In fact, in Proverbs 31, 17, in the King James Version, right? If, you know, if you're familiar with Proverbs 31, it's a phenomenal proverb about a, a godly woman who's like rolling up her sleeves. She's on the farm. She's doing all kinds of stuff, just like strong and active, energetic, just like taking care of what we call business, right? Right? Very strong woman. And in Proverbs 31, 17, it says this, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms, right? In the ESV, it says this. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong, okay? So just the point of this is that in Proverbs 31, a very strong female is girding herself with strength, okay? So it applies to the ladies, right? And then in Job 38.3, this is the Lord speaking to Job in the King James Version. It says, he's speaking to Job. He says, gird up now thy loins like a man, 
for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. In the ESV it says, hey, Job, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Okay, so the references for both men and women, gird up your loins. And, and when it says loins, just so you understand the anatomy behind it, it's like from your rib cage down to your thighs, this area right here. Right? How many of you ever had um, lower back problems? Right? Anyone lower back problems and, and you maybe get a belt and it helps you to kind of support yourself and all that? That's kind of like, that's the loins area. That's, that's why the importance of the belt, support and all of that. Okay? So both men and women are to gird yourself. You're to gird up yourself, right? And, and there's two aspects of that. One I want to call the internal or the mental aspect, girding, okay? And, and what it means when you gird yourself, it's to prepare yourself mentally for action, to prepare yourself to face or contend with something, prepare for battle, get ready for a dangerous situation, make yourself as strong and vigorous as possible, be prepared to put, put forth the highest effort, Right? How many of you have ever had uh, the opportunity, you know you were going to have to confront something with somebody? Anyone ever have one of those meetings you know is not going to maybe go well? And how many of you spent days preparing mentally for it? Right? You're, you know what you were doing? You were girding yourself. You were girding yourself for that meeting you, you, you were prepping yourself. You didn't want to be taken off guard. You wanted to be just fully, you were mentally preparing yourself, right? Think of other situations where you have just had to gird yourself, literally mentally prepare yourself for what's about to happen, right? Uh, different context. We, we took some kids years and years ago, whitewater rafting, whitewater rafting. And if you've ever been whitewater rafting, we went to the Kern River and there's different class rapids. And what we would do with our students and our, and our guide is we would hear the rumble of the rapids. And we would go there. And they would take us right to the edge because it was calm. And then you'd get to the edge of where the rapids start. And they would put the boat sort of uh, on the side of the bank. And the guide would say, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go down there. We're going to hit that rock. We're going to spin. And then we're going to hit. And he would guide us through this class three rapid, right? So then we would back up. And then he would say, okay, now we're going to go back and we're going to do this. In those moments before we hit it, everyone was girding. Because <laughs> you hear the roar and you know that once you're in the rapid, you're along for the ride. And he's yelling, right paddle, right paddle, left paddle, back paddle, back paddle. And you're just into it, right? But in order to successfully uh, you know, complete the rapid as a team, we all had to be girded. You had to listen to the instructions, and then once he hits, you were just so focused and girded that you're just following the guide's instructions. So there's this aspect of girding, which means to be prepared. Now, why is that challenging, again, for us in this culture? Because we're kind of comfortable. I mean, seriously, when was the last time just in your life you were girding, constant state of readiness? You were like, okay, this morning... Just in life in general, I'm going to be ready. Because most of us, I mean, the American dream is to eliminate confrontation and conflict and trials and tribulations, to eliminate the need to be girded. I mean, think about it. What we try, strive to do is to eliminate the need for girding in a general, everyday sense. Because we arrive and our fridges are full and there's gas in our cars and we're comfortable yeah, no we don't really need not under threat of attack necessarily physically and so this idea of girding honestly i think sometimes we're just soft and the church is kind of spiritually soft mentally we're not we don't wake up girded or, or ready to ready for battle right in luke 12 there's an example in the king new king james says let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately, right? To be girded is to be waiting. You're waiting. You're prepared. There's an expectancy, right? And then check this out. First Peter 1.13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be 
brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the ESV, it says, preparing your minds for action. So we're to guard our minds. See, that's a whole nother spin on why you should be in scripture. That's a, there's a whole nother uh, reason to memorize scripture, to speak scripture, to study the Bible. You're girding up your mind, right? And when you gird up your mind, what does it speak to? Self-discipline, courage, resolve. That's girding your mind. And again, I was thinking through this, and I'm like, Lord, am I, are we as a church, are we soft? Are we just not, we haven't had to gird because the persecution in this country as of yet isn't so, you know, out there, and, and we don't feel like this attack all the time that really we're just kind of soft? I mean, when I read that, gird up the loins of your mind, Okay. So how do we do this? Let me, let me flip it and give you some helps. How do you start? to like, Okay, I get it. How do I gird up the loins? Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Everyone say think. Think about these things. Question. During the day, what are you thinking about most of the time? Because Philippians 4.8 gives some pretty clear suggestions <laughs> about where we need to be placing our thought life. I love this 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here's this important phrase. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. How many of you sometimes get some crazy thoughts in your head? Fear, anxiety, what if, worst case scenario, you're not good enough, you blew it again, you're a horrible Christian, God will never forgive you for that. How many of you tend sometimes, okay, a lot of times, to get really like flipped upside down emotionally by your thoughts? Okay. In 2 Corinthians, says, we're to take every thought captive, which means this, going back to girding up your mind. If I get a thought in my head, where should I be going to answer that false thought? The word of God. You answer it with scripture. You answer it with scripture. Not being, oh, don't think like that. Oh, that, you're so bad. Why are you thinking like that? You answer it with scripture. Okay. Now, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I'm just going to share a little bit of testimony so you understand my journey with this. Um, I was not yet a believer. I was probably in my young 20s. I was going to school at UCLA, and just a lot happening in my life. Just a ton happening. Lots of stress. And I used to drive back uh, from my parents' house to UCLA all times, you know, sometimes middle of the night, sometimes four in the morning. And this particular time, I'm driving back, and I stop in like San Juan Capistrano or something, McDonald's or something. And then I leave, and it was probably the middle of the night or something. And for whatever reason, this had never happened to me before, uh, I'm overcome with a panic attack. Just, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, it had never hit me before. And I was just completely, I mean... I was just overcome. And I made it back to my apartment, and I'm like, wow, that was kind of crazy. That was just nuts. But little did I know that that episode would send me on a journey. Uh, really still affects me even today. But again, this has all happened before I knew the Lord. And so I'm trying to cope with that. And little by little, this fear and anxiety and these panic attacks consume my life. To the point where, you know, if you've seen like um, people with OCD behaviors, repetitive, um, just you're staring at something and you're doing repetitive activities just because you cannot get the fear out of your head, even though you're looking at this thing. Um, those repetitive activities, much of it is they're just trying to lessen their anxieties and fears. That's, that's why they do it. And man, this consumed me. And I, I, I struggled to drive from my apartment to UCLA. I would do circles and I would, and I was in prison because I couldn't tell anyone. 
I didn't even know what was going on, and I was just in this absolute prison of fear and anxiety and panic attacks all the time. And I'm struggling to get through school, and I'm literally exhausted because the, the, the emotional and mental effort just to struggle through the basic things of life, uh, trying to battle anxiety and fear of this level, consume me. And, and then I came to know the Lord through this. And I got I to give the, the Lord testimony and praise because he's healed me to a very large degree. But it wasn't like some like, shh, boom, you're healed. No. It was like, okay, who are you in Christ? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Be anxious for nothing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. All these verses. And the freedom uh, and the healing that I have uh, experienced probably, what, 30 years, has literally come. And I'll be honest with you, because this still happens to me at night, like every night almost. It'll come. The thoughts will come. And in 30 years, I have to stop, and I go to the Word of God. I, I, he hasn't, like, taken it away, but he's, what he does is he's answered the fear and anxiety with his Word and his truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, uh, I'll be honest with you, there's times even now, um, you know, I have this routine where I check our house before we all go to bed, and, and I'll, I'm in my routine, and sometimes I'll get triggered, and I have to stop. I mean, I'm a pastor, I've been in ministry 30 years, I'm speaking to you guys, but literally, I get tested, and I get these thoughts in my head, and I have no recourse, I have absolutely no recourse but to go to the Word of God. And by faith, accept it, appropriate it, not give in to the habit, not give in to the, to the temptation to try to fix it myself or make me feel better. What I have to do in that moment, I'm at a crossroads, and I have to go by the Word of God, whatever. I say, Lord, and He gives me the Word, He gives it through His Spirit, and then I choose to walk in faith. I choose to walk away from the compulsive temptations and all that kind of stuff, and I choose to go this way. I just do. So, so if you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with thought life and appropriating God's word and being confronted with going to old patterns and everything, I'm just telling you right now, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm there. And, and I get it. I get that moment when your thoughts and your emotions are just this tsunami coming at you and, and everything in you wants to revert back to how you think it's going to be resolved in your own efforts and your own intentions and your own whatever. And as a believer, I got to tell you, it's just simply been the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And, and I remember... Um, watching a show one time and, and people who were kind of similarly um, challenged were going through things. And I remember, and, and I just sat back and said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the healing and the freedom you brought in my life through your word. But I tell you right now, I, it's every day. Every day, every night. And the enemy knows too. The enemy knows. And so... Um, when I say gird up the loins of your mind, I live that every day, multiple times a day. And the, the freedom I have and the ability to function normally, if you want to call that that, and to, to enjoy life again and all that, is simply by the grace of God. The grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in his word. And I share that with you because uh, sometimes, um, even in the church, we, we battle these things and there might be a stigma to share it. Because my, people might think that you're less than and what's wrong with you? You've been a Christian for all these years and you still battle with this. And, oh, I can't believe you. You have panic attacks. Oh, I can't believe, you know. No. We live in a fallen and broken world. And we are fallen and broken people redeemed by the grace of God. And he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. But he doesn't necessarily always take it away. You remember Paul's thorn? Yeah. I read that and I'm like, great, great. How about you take it away? How about I be a little bit? No, no, no. When I am weak, then I am strong. 
It's one of those, that's one of those daily verses for me, guys. Because um, this experience, it'll knock you to your knees and it'll take every strength you think you have in this area. And, and I've learned when I am weak that I am strong in him. Okay, so that, I share that with you just in a, a real life example of what it means to gird up. I have to gird up every day. Constantly throughout the day. Okay? Colossians 3.1 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So question for us, just application, where are you setting your mind? Throughout the day, what do you tend to set your mind on? What do you do with thoughts when they come into your mind, when, they, when these thoughts just begin to overcome your emotions? And, you know, all, what, what, what do you do with them? Are you taking them captive? Are you answering false thoughts, accusations, lies? Are you answering them with God's truth? Because as believers, ultimately, that's all we have, power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So there's the internal aspect of girding, which is spiritually your mind, girding up your mind. Then there's what I call the external. And, and there's something interesting. When in, in this culture, when people were to gird up, okay? I'll give you an example. 1 Kings 18.46, it says this. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Culturally, what this was, people wore tunics. And even Roman soldiers sometimes wore tunics. And if you were going to go to battle, you would, what they call, gird up your loins, this area. What it would be, it was a way to get this long tunic out of the way so you were free to fight. Okay? Uh, in the ESV, it says, uh, Elijah gathered up his garment. And so I wanted to show you, just, I don't know, I hope it comes through clear. Here's, here's what it was historically. So on the upper left, there's the traditional tunic. And there was a process where they would gather it in the front, bring it through the back, wrap it around, and tie it. In the bottom right, now he's girded. That's what it meant to gird up your loins, was ultimately, get this long tunic out of the way so I can fight. I'm not hindered. Nothing is, is there's not an encumbrance around me, right? And so, uh, in application... To the truth, look, it says in 3 John, it says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So not only are we to gird ourselves with truth, we're to walk in the truth. Question, what is hindering your walk? If to gird up the loins is to get this tunic out of the way, question for us this morning, what needs to get put out of the way so you can fight the spiritual battle? What do you need to wrap up and just kind of like take care of, right? 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 6, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. So I'm just curious. I thought of the tunic, and I thought of my life and your life, and maybe there's just things that are just like, you know, you're not as free spiritually. The things of the world are just entangling you, and you just need to gird them. You need to gird them into the belt. Get them out of the way, right? I remember I, in the 90s, uh, I was working customer service. For a while there, many of you know, I worked for Geico. And I would do customer service and in, in auto insurance. And, you know, Geico has a, a very large military um, customer base. And I remember this call. I don't know why it struck me. I have never forgot this call. Um, and uh, there was some sort of um, military conflict somewhere in the world. And uh, usually when that happens, we would get the... The army guys, you know, the military guys calling us. And so I remember I, this young guy called, and I'm like, you know, da, 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 how can I help you? And what he wanted to do was put his car in storage. And what that means in, in insurance terms is you take off liability coverage because it's going to be parked somewhere, so you just leave on comprehensive collision. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But he wanted to put it in storage. And we're just chatting, and he goes, yeah, I'm being deployed, and we, we, we've been ordered to get our affairs in order. Pretty serious. 
right? They're, they're being deployed. There's a military confrontation somewhere. He's shipping out, and he's been ordered to get his affairs in order. And so he called me, and I'm helping him get his affairs in order by putting his car in storage and, and his appropriate coverages for that. And I thought of that like, okay, if we're in spiritual battle every day, what affairs need to be brought, taken, you know, what, do you, what affairs do you need to get in order? What things are kind of just hanging out there <laughs> that are just like tripping you up, you can't move, right? It's just kind of like this hindrance to freely moving in Christ in this spiritual battle that we're in, right? And then I thought of Matthew 13, 22, 22 in the New Living. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced, right? It's not necessarily bad, evil things. These are the thorns, the, the good stuff of life that are like that tunic that just starts to weigh us down and we can't move anymore spiritually because now we got all this stuff we have to take care of. And, you know, how many of you have ever bought something and that something you bought that you really wanted became more of a project than and consuming and it would break and you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, my life was so much simpler before I bought this thing, right? Well, you add that on heaps and heaps over the years and pretty soon spiritually we're just weighed down and we're getting choked out by the things of the world, right? And so I just love that idea of girding. What in your life needs to be wrapped up, tucked and girded so that you are free to fight this spiritual battle, amen? That, that's what you got to kind of think through, think through that. And, and here's what I, I also want to encourage you. Sometimes when we have so much and we're in this tunic, so to speak, and, and we're just consumed with the stuff that's right in front of us, sometimes even our perspective, we lose sight of what's going on in the bigger picture, nationally, globally, right? And I'm not talking like it's bad things. It's just like, man, I'm just so consumed here. And, and I was even... Uh, challenged a bit uh, this week by, you know, all the things that, that come on my plate every week regarding my family, the church, everything, right? And then I started receiving uh, a few emails and, and some uh, newsletter type of things regarding national issues, okay? And, and specifically, um, you know, regarding uh, recent legislation called the Equality Act, Okay? And, and I received uh, some information from a couple of different sources. And, and I was like, Lord, okay, have I been so kind of like wrapped up in my own things that, that I've, I've not even been able to keep, keep in tune with what's going on out there? Okay? And it was a good check. And, and I want to encourage you, okay, uh, there, are, there are some things that even as a church, as believers, we need to be educated about. We need to be educated about, then we need to say, everyone say educate, educate. participate. Okay, so we need to get educated, and then we need to seek the Lord how to participate. Okay? But sometimes if we got this tunic and we're so consumed with the good, you know, we're just like, oh, what? What's going on out there? Wait, <laughs> let me get there. And you know, you're like, no. What we need to do is we need to Gird up, and part of that girding up, now we're free to kind of say, okay, Lord, what's going on in the big picture? What are you calling me to do nationally or locally, right? And so I want to encourage you, and I'm going to um, just put this out there because it's important. Um, uh, and it's in your notes, if you saw the notes. Uh, there was a, an email, newsletter, blog, whatever, that went out from Franklin Graham, and it's titled Urgent Prayer Alert from Franklin Graham on the Equality Act. If you want to look at that, it's billygram.org. It's up on the screens. It's in your notes. Okay? You can check that out. There's also another article called Three Things Every Family Needs to Know About What's Happening in Washington, D.C. That's Jim Daly, Focus on the Family. Many of you uh, follow Focus on the Family. Okay? I present these to you for education, to educate and then seek the Lord to participate. We need to know what's going on in the country. Okay, and, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I would just want you, again, part of the application and why I thought this, this was relevant for us as we gird up is that sometimes we just got so much going on that we're just unaware. 
And it's not like you're intentionally unaware. It's not like you don't even care. You're just like, what? When did that pass? Wow. Okay? So if you, if, if you know about this, continue to pray and seek the Lord. If you're sitting here or you're at home and you're like, I don't even have any clue what he's talking about. I just present that to you to get educated and seek the Lord about how he might have you to participate in whatever capacity he would have you. At the very least, pray. Amen? Amen. The very least, pray. And then if there's others, contact your congressman, congresswoman, do anything like that. That's, uh, that you, you pursue God's, you, you, be, you obey his convictions. He will lead each and every one of you to do something, I believe, as you're educated. But the point is this. If we don't gird up our mind, and if we don't gird up and take care of the tunic, sometimes we're just kind of oblivious to the spiritual warfare on the national level or global level. Okay? So I, I, I think it's important as we talk about spiritual warfare, not just to in, like, make it just me and the devil. Because you can do that. Oh, you know, and, I, and there is that element. The scheming is unique to each of us. But then it's also national. And if it's national, it's going to have trickle down to me and you anyway. You can't avoid it. So I just put that out to you. Right? Educate, participate. Get educated. Seek the Lord on how he would have you to participate for his kingdom purposes in line with biblical convictions. Amen? Okay. Very important. And then I just want to wrap up with this. Romans 13 says this. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I love that passage. It just kind of wraps it all up, right? Ray Stedman says this, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, take his life, take all that he is and all the fullness of his being to be all that you need. But along with it, be sure that you are not making some subtle little provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. Because you can have all of his life, all that you need, but you can't have it for your program. That is what he reminds us of here. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember, it is never Christ and I. It is not I, but Christ. This is what the world is waiting for. To see, right? And in that reference, he's referencing Galatians 2.20, which says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? You know what? I look at that verse, and I'm like, there's your girding verse. Every morning, spiritually, like, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And as you say that, you are spiritually girding yourself to walk out girded in your position in Christ, girded in who you are in Christ, girded that you've gotten everything you need. I love that verse just as this great word picture to fasten and gird up yourself for the day. It's no longer I, it's Christ. I'm going out with this truth. I'm going out with this truth. This is a power. You want to, okay. You want a memory verse? There you go. That is an incredible, powerful memory verse for you to gird up your loins. Put this on. (laughs) Put that verse on every morning and see what it does. Walk in this truth every morning as you leave your... That will radically change how you view God, how you view, and how you view the world. That's what it is to gird up with truth. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your provision of the belt of truth. And thank you for teaching us what it is to be girded. Girded. To be mentally prepared for battle. 
And then, Lord, externally to to tie up loose ends, to, to not be encumbered or hindered by the things of the world. Lord, show us in our life where, where our mind is set on the things of, of the world, where we have loose thinking and we're not taking thoughts captive. Lord, perhaps there's some here in this room and some online, your thoughts are just out of control and your thoughts spin you to fear and anxiety, worry. Your thoughts, you, you're believing lies about who you are. Your thoughts are creating insecurity, doubt, fear. It's all your thought life. And yet you tell us in 2 Corinthians 10, we take every thought captive. So I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. May our thoughts be taken captive to the Word of God. I pray that you will answer false beliefs, false thoughts with your Word, O God and that we would appropriate it, we would believe it, we would come against the lies of Satan with the truth of God, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, Father, I pray for those of us here that maybe we're hindered and really just kind of consumed with the things of the world, and it's like a long tunic, and we're not free to fight, we're not free to move around, and and we're kind of stifled, and we're We're kind of bound. Help us to release the things of the world that choke out our spiritual life. Lord, we ask your forgiveness if we've sort of become soft. We don't gird because we're comfortable. We ask your forgiveness. And then I think about this verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're right back to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us at Calvary. Through your death and resurrection, we have eternal life. And this morning, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, best time to do it right now. Put your faith in Jesus, who loved you and gave himself for you. We're going to uh, take communion once again. The cups will be in front of you and the the seats in front of you on the the racks there. For you at home, we encourage you to participate as well. In this time of communion, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. We also take this time in prayer and reflection to focus on being girded, to being girded in our minds and in our lives, to be ready, prepared for battle in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God. So you can take communion as as you're ready, as you see a fit with the Lord, and we'll sing a song during this time.